0: So we're month of October of November.
1: I am. Perfect timing. What brought it on? Mm. Oh man, just generally speaking, like what we were talking about right before this, it seems like, you know, obviously it's been a couple months of things being wide open again. Listen, I was on the boat in the summer, you know, four or five days a week, and you have to have a beer every time you're on the boat, right? <laughs> and that leads into okay, now summer's over, you know, people want to meet, dinners, you know, connections all over again, events, festivals, or not festivals. I wish it was festivals um, conferences and just week after week after week, hockey games, a little bit of booze. I think I need to drop about five or 10 pounds and feel a little better about myself. But truthfully, it's a combination of obviously making sure that you feel like you can consistently have control, right? Totally. It's your choice. Totally.
0: It's a, it's a funny industry that we're in that's, it's very social, right? To be good at it, you need to be in front of people all the time. Yep. And in front of people often is, okay, let's go meet for a beer. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how often we are, I guess it's just our demographic, mostly like 25 to 45 year olds. What's the coolest thing in the world right now? Craft beer. There you go. Visiting a new brewery. Yeah. So we're often with new clients, we're saying, Hey, would you like to meet for a coffee? Go yeah. grab a beer. What would you like? And yeah. most of the time they want to go for a beer.
1: Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not their day to day. right? Exactly. Yeah. And even yeah. if it is, they're like, great. It is my day to day. Let's go.
0: Perfect. I'll get a free beer.
1: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You're paying this time. <laughs> Yeah, between that and, um, you know, real estate and the mortgage space is somewhat different in many ways because I'm, I'm less client facing. Sure. Uh, you know, there's obviously the other side of it is, okay, I didn't drink during the week because, you know, whatever. Okay, Friday night, I'm going to go, you know, obviously just like anybody else, have a few beers, cool down, you know, go like I went to the hockey game Friday night. I'm only going to have two beers five beers later. <laughs> so I, I did mention to you that it is to a degree self-control. It's not like I think I have any alcohol problems. I mean, I don't drink typically during most- you know, every week, but you know, you always want to prove it to yourself from time to time, or at least I do. Do I need this? Totally. Do I need this to relax? Do I need this to feel good? Do I need this to socialize? And it's a challenge and, um, that's, we'd like to challenge ourselves, right? So
0: totally. <clears throat> it is. It's funny, especially doing these podcasts. It, it almost like forces you to have a beer. Yeah. I don't know why we do at least two a week. Yeah. The GD ones we don't drink most of the time. 7 a.m. <laughs> in the morning. But like the Seahawks oh, come on. one. will yeah. come on. <laughs> the, um, breakfast beers? Yeah. The Seahawks one will have a beer or two. This one will have a beer or two. And then that's two nights a week. And then usually there's two or three client nights a week. And then there's Friday night. There and go. then it's like it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I know. So you got to be conscious of it. It's it's. Uh, you asked me if I've ever done a sober month or recently done a sober month. No. I, I, I think I will. Maybe in the new year, going away at the end of this month. So I don't want to do it in November. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's interesting how uh, you have to be conscious of the consumption. Because yes. if you look back at a week and you had two podcasts and two or three client inter- or meetings and then on Friday nights, you went out with your buddies and you're like, oh shit, it yeah. adds up.
1: Yeah. And listen, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, right? Like there's nothing wrong with having a couple of beers a week or doing a beer or having a beer at the podcast or hanging out with your buddies and have a couple of beers. I think it comes down to like, obviously a few things. One, A, the challenge, do I need this? Right? Yeah. Like, and I truly enjoy like the good taste of a good, you know, whiskey or, or beer as well. But do I need this? Can I challenge myself in such a way that I don't require this for the social meetings, social gra- gatherings, yeah. you know, meeting with the client, they can have a beer. I can, you know, say no. How does that feel? And then, you know, transparently speaking, like I actually did right at the start of summer, crazy time, really smart for me to do that when I had my boat, but I did do, you know, three and a half weeks at that time um, to just kind of clear my head and feel good. And I felt exceptionally clear. Like I wake up every Saturday, Sunday and I was up at like 6 a.m., boom, like regular workday. Why is that? Okay, well, I didn't have three or four beers the night before. Um, And, you know, it's not like you're getting drunk and wasted every night. It's just, you feel good. And that leads into the second week and the third week. And then you get there. Um, you know, again, the flip side of that is you can operate no problem with, you know, a few beers a day. It doesn't mean you have a problem. It's just a matter of how do you want to feel, mm-hmm. right? So that's my it's, month.
0: It's interesting.
1: We'll see and how that, it goes. When was the last time you did that? I uh, actually started summer. Started summer? Yeah. I think it was June that we did that. And I don't remember the reason why, to be honest with you. It was probably the same idea. just want to feel good for a bit. And my wife, she's good. She, she will hold me accountable. Uh, she's not going to force me she's not going to grab a beer out of my hand like let's be honest but she will hold me accountable because she won't do it she's you know very good at that as well yeah in saying that and it's the same conversation we have we're like hey we feel so clear so clean so level-headed for this period of time but we both do enjoy the social activity we enjoy beer we enjoy you know wine we enjoy our spirits so it's not like we want to be alcohol free forever it's not that it's more of Let's just make sure we can clean up for a period of time. Nothing like a cleanse, but more of like, again, just make your body feel good for a bit, right? And then we'll abuse it again later. Christmas is coming, right? So, Oh man, December
0: is a wild month.
1: And and (laughs) first Christmas season in three years, that's wide open. No restrictions, no limitations. You better believe there will be Christmas parties absolutely everywhere. Speaking of our industries.
0: Are you going to take advantage of that?
1: uh meaning was, like from
0: your experience right so i don't do you care about talking about this which part well like the vaccine putting in the hospital not being able to get the second one.
1: Oh, i don't mind talking about it at all no i'm very transparent so do you know that
0: so he had a allergic reaction you'll be able to explain it better than me but my understanding was some sort of allergic reaction to the first vaccine which you were in the hospital for a couple of weeks
1: yeah so it wasn't it wasn't allergic okay. um i was one of the people that had uh a, re- a reaction which was myocarditis. And I still still have that to this day. And they call it myocarditis. There's also pericarditis. I'm going to pronounce that wrong. Somebody will probably catch that. And uh, yeah, that was about four days after the first vaccine in May of 2021. Um, put me in the hospital first, was diagnosed as being basically just sick. That's what they said. And then I was uh, brought home. And the next day after taking a... Um, uh, a drug or, or something of that nature. They said, oh, sorry, they raced me off the hospital in an ambulance. And from there on, I was admitted for three or four weeks, went from the five to seven days in the emergency because they couldn't figure out what was going on. And they were just so undermanned. I felt so bad for the nurses there, man. And and then finally, we're able to determine that, you know, there was something else bigger going on. It was a combination of pneumonia. Obviously, my heart was extremely swollen. and um, and, and everything together kind of combusted. To, to cause some issues in the body. And so it was an awful experience. And so um, to your point, yeah, there was a, uh, obviously everybody knows the country we were on lockdown, uh, wasn't allowed to go to restaurants or events or anything of that nature for the better part of six months. So th- through new choice of my own, I did not go to any Christmas parties. I didn't go to any restaurants. I didn't do any of that stuff last year. But I also think there's a lot of people who chose not to as well sure. on their own volition um
0: you never tried to fudge that handwritten card that you the no, vaccine no I, no no i remember
1: receiving this thing i mean yeah
0: like, there's gotta be a more high-tech way than this right and then well, obviously the little qr code
1: that was it yeah by the time but, they uh yeah. september is when they came up with a code and i was able to get the first code because you had to have the first vaccine the second one and so um i know people that did certain things to be able to figure out their way past that rule and you know, I'm not going to really get into it, but, uh, I'm not going to name names. Hold on. Let me get that list out here. Um, but, uh, no, I didn't, man. I just, uh, I just rolled. Oh, obviously was not happy, not happy about any of this, but you know, this is the hand I was dealt. So, or the card I was dealt, I should say. So you roll with it.
0: I feel like that's the appropriate way to deal with most political things is just to
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: it is what it is. Let's do the best we can.
1: Listen, dude. I uh, I'll be really open because I don't know if there's eight people that listen to it or eight hundred this podcast, and I will share this with most people who want to listen to me. Is I went through an exceptionally challenging time mentally for about eight to twelve months after that, only just coming through it at the beginning of the summer, mm. and it was uh, there was you know like depression, extreme depression. Um, you know, negative thoughts, um, it impacted my family, my home, my relationships with a lot of people, you know, not because of me being a jerk, but just, I was, you know, so down. I mean, I remember a time when, uh, you know, the wife and I went to, uh, we, we got the opportunity to go to a cabin Whistler with our family. And, uh, you know, I would get a racing heart feeling, and this is like one of the problems and symptoms that can come from that. And it would cause me, even if it was only for 10 minutes, it would cause me to feel so nervous and scared and upset. Like, cause I'm just like, am I dying? Am I having a heart attack? Even though I know I'm not, or at least I think I'm not. It would just cause you to kind of almost break down in like this anxious stress and hide away. So, you know, I I would go into the bedroom and hide away for like four hours. So I'm like, I can't be around people. So much anxiety, so much stress. And so, yeah, that part of my life was exceptionally hard. Um, Would I take it back? Well, yeah would not have chosen to go through that again. You know, given the choice, I wouldn't you know, take the vaccine or anything like that, but I, I can't change that. And so looking back at this point right now, I had a lot of people who were very angry for me and there was a period where it was just like pure anger, but it didn't last long. And I think that that is what helped me actually, because I saw a lot of people that didn't even get this vaccine and a lot of people who were just angry and just obsessive. And I, I made sure not to spend time with those people, not talk to those people. And not to lead into it because it doesn't matter whether I agree or disagree. This is what happened. This is the place I'm in right now. I need to figure out a way to deal with it, right? So, crazy part of my life.
0: It is a crazy part, man. Thanks for sharing that. I uh, have so many follow up questions. (laughs) First of all, like, how'd you know you were sick and like what types of symptoms came with your heart swelling?
1: Yeah, like it just felt like I was, had a a flu or like a a typical sickness. You know, your body heats up. you, it's just like a typical sickness. I just felt really, really sick. Right. You've ever been exceptionally sick where you're heating and sweating and you got the sweats and the cold and the hot right. and the chills and everything starts going on. You're like, Oh, okay. I'm just really sick. Right. And that's, uh, that's where things started to progress to, um, tightness to the point where it's like, I'm just breathing very short, short, short breaths. And then it would progress more and more and more to the point where it's like difficult to get breath out. So that's where it started. And it just, progressed from there, got more and more challenging to breathe. Um, You felt more and more sick. The sweats got worse. There was a lot of different things. Like when I was in the hospital, I was on a, um, on oxygen for about a week. And um, you know, obviously it's because they're trying to, uh, once you're on the antibiotics and so forth to try and kill away the, the the pneumonia, it's just quite simply to let your body obviously absorb the oxygen you're not getting in because it's not able to pump it into the blood. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the heart can't pump into the blood, but uh, what did it feel like? It just felt like shit. So not fun. Man.
0: <clears throat> what a weird time the last couple of years were, right? There were so many confusing things that were not necessarily backed by data. It was just like do this. And one of them is here's this vaccine. We don't really have any data on it. We're not sure what it's gonna do to you, but we're pretty sure it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Everyone needs to take it now. Yep. Yeah. And then For a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's totally fine. I assume like I didn't have any side effects. My arm, I couldn't do, you know, my arm was sore for like 24 hours. That was it. Yep. And then you move on with your life and I assume it's going to be fine for the next 80 years. Other people are put in the hospital in two days. Right. Isn't that insane?
1: So the crazier thing is, um, you know, and I don't want to spend too much time on this topic, but I think the crazier thing, man, was just (laughs) he's having his way with the toy. We should probably let the audience know this is a great break right now. It's getting too intense. We have Chewy here today. Chewy is my 11 month old pug and he is currently humping his uh, his little chew toy. He's having a great time down there. So a little bit, a little bit of levity for the podcast here. We're getting too intense. Um, back to what you were saying there. Yeah, you're right. It, it affected different people in different ways. And I think unless you were someone who, um, you knew someone who's personally affected, I could see why people wouldn't really, like if you're kind of focused on your own world, what you're doing, and you're not really into the political jargon or whether you are, I could see why some people would just kind of focus on a silo and say like, this is okay, this is all right. And it wasn't until obviously months afterwards that they started having people who were saying, hey, this impacted me. Like, uh, man, I I still question to this day, like, hey, I'm still having after effects. Like, can I not just sue the government at this point here for putting me in a position? And again, that's not out of anger. That's out of the thought to say like, hey, I lost, obviously I had financial, I couldn't work for over a month and I could barely work for a few months after that, not, not at a high capacity, so it impacted my business the way that it impacted my personal life is obviously something I'll never get back. And then from a perspective, it's taken me now, I, I went to the first doctor I ever went to who actually said, you legit have like, this is not, you're not insane. This is what happened. It took like eight months before I had a doctor who said, okay, I've looked at everything and I've seen like four different cardiologists here, right? He said, okay, like it's, he's gone through it and said, you're not crazy, Alex, because I felt like I was insane. Um, you're not crazy, this happened. I can see this here. This is clearly the case. The correlation is obvious. Like, I'm going to continue to make sure that you're looked after. And, you know, I just saw another cardiologist about, I think this is where are we right now? We're in uh, in November. So this is in September there. I, I saw another one and, and he went through everything again and correlated. Say yeah, we're going to continue going down this road. We're going to look at this. I have seen this before a few times now. I've seen this among, and it's typically young males. Um, there's other people as well, but it's like, you're not crazy. You've seen this. Whereas... For the first few months, and my, my family doctor is the one who said this to me, she's like, I'll do, I'll bend over backwards for you. Like, I know what happened to you. I know what's going on. She said to me, I feel like a guinea pig. They're making us say this. They're making me, you know, take these different shots. She's, she would check in on me. Whose family doctor checks in on them, right? Um, and she kept pushing me to see more people and fighting for me because they would openly say like, hey, we don't know what correlated this. We can't tell you what happened because everybody was so uncomfortable with the political recourse of telling or putting it on paper that this caused that. It's only been obviously this year now that I think enough studies have come out to say, Hey, like, great. It helped certain people, but there are people that it really negatively helped. You can't just advertise that there's no negative impact to this. Right. So um, yeah, man, like that journey too. Like if you want to talk about the emotion, you know, going through these feelings and having your heart feel like, or your chest feel like this for an extended period of time and have doctor after doctor say to you, no, 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 you're, that's not true. You didn't, that's not why that happened. Like it had something else to finally having people say like, those guys don't know what they're talking about. They didn't dig into the data. The data is very obvious. It's very clear. And now finally to have actually three doctors, specifically three separate doctors, actually not, I wouldn't say side on my behalf, but actually openly admit, yes, this is what happened. Here's the correlation. Here's what you're dealing with. Right? Like that what,
0: was, what was the <laughs> issue of the first few doctors? Were they, So what was not paying attention to science was like were studies not being so I mentioned the experience in the hospital,
1: right? I mentioned the experience in the hospital. Like for anybody, like I feel so bad for people who work like nurses, but I also at the same time kind of don't. That makes sense. I think that they're 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 put in a position to fail. Like going through that. The the doctor will see you for one minute, be gone, and then sit in the ER for two or three days, sit there sweating, compulsive like like, like literally in tears because it's so uncomfortable, right? Like, like what's going on? And then you'd have one nurse come in and yell at you, like legit yell at you. And another one come in and and be your best friend, like amazing humans, like unbelievable, like just incredible people, right? The inconsistency is berserk. And then, you know, the doctor will finally see you at four or five days in, take one or two minutes and not really provide any feedback or any options. And then just, okay, you're going to do this in a day or two. I'm, I'm trying to recount as best I can as we're sitting here right now, but it was just unbelievable. And um, just kind of going through that, they don't, I don't know what their intention is. I don't know what the, like what they're taught to do or not do, but it was very, very clear to me in the conversations that they wanted no part of anything to do with any conversation around vaccines, none. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even acknowledge it. And on my, when I was in in the hospital, they didn't even write it on the reports, nowhere, like not in a single spot. And so- Um, you know, after now seeing multiple, like, these are real doctors, I didn't pay them or anything like that. Who said to me, like, no, no, you're, you, you're legit. This, these things happen to you. I don't understand why they wouldn't do that, but they're not going to throw the doctor in the hospital under the bus. Right. They're just going to suggest we're not sure why they didn't write it down there. Like, yes, these things happen. This is occurring. This is what you're dealing with. It's, it's mind blowing to me just how that system works. So, so the,
0: first, the first few, were they just saying there's no correlation between myocarditis and the vaccine?
1: They just say we you can't, can't correlate this- it. We can't correlate it, right? And like, well, three, four days after, I'm an extremely healthy guy, I exercise five days a week, I don't drink excessive amounts of al- alcohol or anything like that, <laughs> contrary to what we talked about. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it like that. I mean, you know, running, exercising, all that kind of fun stuff and, and no previous... Issues, right? And then, boom! Within four days, I've got this, 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 and this, and I'm dealing with this ongoing thing for the better part of a year. I mean, no correlation. I think that's pretty insane, right?
0: I just wonder why there was such certainty. Like, why? Why so conclusive that no, absolutely not, no correlation? Why not? Like, yeah. it could be. Let's yeah. let's try to find out. It was just shut down. That's not
1: how our cell health system works here. Um, I really don't want to get too deep into the health system here because I think that can get really ugly really fast. And that's where the emotions will come out. But man, like they're not really, dude, the way that our health system is is set up is is to fail in so many different ways. Like doctors obviously overworked, nurses overworked. They're paid based on how many patients they see, not the quality of the care, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not like, hey, I took care of this person. I'm going to get paid and compensated the same as, you know, just seeing them and writing a piece of paper it's, it's like, how many people can you see? Get them through. We got a lot of people. Let's go. Right. And that's how they operate. So, um, I don't think they're bad people. Listen, one of my best friends growing up is a doctor on the other side of the country, and I've talked to him about this and, and he's the first one to say the healthcare system is completely broken and it's insanely inconsistent. Like he's literally told me that, and again, I, he'll never put this on record. I'll never say his name, but he's actually told me when we sat down for, you know, a coffee or something like that, when he comes back over to, to Vancouver, that like openly, especially since this happened, he's seen doctors malpractice uh, um, cause people deaths on a regular basis, a regular occurrence. Like frequently people die because of, I don't know if it's malpractice or if it's something else. I don't know they, would they term that, but basically simply um, ignoring a situation or not digging deeper or not asking the right questions or um, just making poor decisions. And, uh, I know for a fact that he's one of those guys that actually cares. Like he's on the board. He, he's out there trying to make moves. He's a young guy. He's 37, right? Like trying to make a change to the system. But even he'll say to me, man, he's like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing sometimes, man. Like the system is so fucked. Well,
0: think about any career, right? Like Carl in construction, there's probably times throughout a day, every day that you're like, haven't, (coughs) haven't really, what did he see? (laughs) He saw his reflection in the fire. I think
1: he saw his reflection in the fire and he got freaked out because that's him. And pause. Chewie! <laughs> good boy. He's like, what is it? Okay, chill out now.
0: How, how many times in a day or a week or a year are you encountering a situation that is, has differences of what you've encountered before and you're like, I'm pretty sure this is how I should figure it out, right? Are the, uh, <laughs> like, a doctor making a wrong decision could potentially hurt someone's life, right? Yes. Yeah. Us making a wrong decision means someone gets a 0.1 difference on their mortgage.
1: Could cost them a few or, bucks or, right? or yeah. Or so, I mean, obviously in the worst case scenario, you lose your home or something of that nature. Obviously that's never happened to us, yeah. but it could happen. We've seen it happen. Right. So yeah, you're right. You ha- you like, you, you know, for a fact that they have they, the margin for error as a doctor is extremely minimal, but at the same time, is the system setting them up to succeed by promoting the right things, mm-hmm. right? And the right things should be good care for people and, and uh, obviously trying to help people in positions that need it at that time. And I know that's an obviously an oversimplification, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know how to fix the healthcare system system. I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you it's broken because I've been in there. And, um, if you talk to someone who's going to be transparent with you, they'll tell you the same thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they're always talking about it, um, in, in obviously elections and so forth, because it's fucked, but no one fixes it.
0: I know. Like, I'm not naive enough to think that like most industries have corruption. Sure. But I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And then I'm like, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking how much added pressure and stress. Does a doctor have when trying to give advice to people that can affect their health versus us giving advice to people that can affect, you know, the price they pay for a home or, you know, like, sure, maybe $10,000 difference versus how, how much more pressure and stress does a doctor feel in a situation where they're like uncertain about the exact answer, but they're in a position where they have to give two different options to someone who has some sort of sickness, right?
1: Endless pressure. And uh, again, being very close with someone who in that, I'm not the kind of person that's gonna look at him and say, you're doing it wrong. Uh, but when you talk to someone in that position who sure. provides the feedback that things are being done exceptionally poorly and there's people dying from it, um, which I have firsthand mm-hmm. experience of, unfortunately my grandpa passed this away this year and his death was a direct result of uh, no, I wouldn't, they don't call it malpractice, but a doctor made a poor decision, left him alone for too long, and he passed away. And the feedback that he provided to my family was, we made this mistake, uh, we're sorry. And the story is, you lost your grandpa who came to the hospital for a knee surgery, right? Like, um, gave him the wrong drugs, and um, I don't want to get too far into it, but uh, he literally came up to us and said... I'm sorry, this happened because of this, he's passed away. And I'm sure he felt bad about it, but there's no, there's nothing that you can do about that. And there's no, I mean, I guess you can probably try to sue the government. I don't know. What is there, but is there, like you're in a position here where it's like, is there any point in doing so? So like, man, like the system is set up to fail. Um, And again, I, I think that the perfect example of, this is probably comes down to like quality of care. And, and, and just to give you kind of go where I'm going with this is I have a friend of mine who does private private care. Like he, he pays a doctor, he goes in there once a year, once every six months um, to get, you know, his checkup, his blood, all that kind of fun stuff. He went to a public doctor because he was feeling like chest pain. He was feeling uncomfortable. He's a big guy. Right. And they just say, okay, well, you know, basically take this pill, this pill, this pill, this pill, <laughs> and you should be good to go. That was his feedback. And so, he actually reached out to another guy we know and he said, no, 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 like go pay this doctor, pay him a couple of G's, go there, get a visit and see what he has to say. We went to go visit this guy. He did obviously the full blood panel, did the whole, all the tests, everything's like substantially more than obviously what a regular doctor would. And he said, no, you, know, you don't need any of these pills. Here are all the things that you need to do. And this may not blow your mind, but one of the things was to promote obviously physical activity and a change oh, of diet. No way and a variety of other things that he, could, there was more to it than that. Obviously they found out there were certain things that he had like a, um, uh, he was allergic to and, and so forth. No difference than different than maybe a naturopath and so forth. But man, I've seen the guy here, you know, a year and a half later after he saw the guy and, you know, he's dropped, you know, he was at like 320 and now he's at like 250 and he's happier, healthier, more vibrant, more energy. And he'll tell you like dude, I probably should have known this, but if I had gone with Dr. A over here, all I would have done is in a 15-minute visit, gone and taken drug A, B, C, D, E, and where would I be today? And maybe I'm dead. And now I see this doctor over here and I've quit this, 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 and I'm doing this, 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 and they check in on me and I feel good about it. And I mean, again, simplification of the whole conversation, but I think the reality is quality of care. The guy that he paid gave a shit. Like his office, like they care. When he talks to him, he's like, at least I feel like they care. They told me to do all the hard things. They check in on me. They do this. Whereas these guys over here provide me with pill ABC because whatever. I don't know why, but I mean, that's the system, man. That's the system. And I don't think all doctors don't care. I just told you about my family doctor. She gives a shit, but they get paid. You know, if they see 30 patients, they get paid a lot more money than if they see five for you know, an hour each of them.
0: There's good and bad people in any industry and it seems like from what I know about healthcare, the incentives um, promote the bad people taking advantage of it, right? The incentive to see more patients. Yeah. The incentive to prescribe a, a certain drug. Yeah. Right? The How, how much money would it, me as a doctor get paid or how much leverage do I have? If every single time someone came to me, I'd be like, how much do you exercise? Yeah. Once a month.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: that's an issue. Like, I'm... I, I'm not a doctor, I cannot give medical advice. But I, I know, say, I know, from my <laughs> personal perspective. Yeah, the days that I exercise, I feel way better, more energy. I feel more clear. I feel like I think better than the days that I don't. And trying to comprehend how I would feel after like five years of zero exercise, I might. I like, yeah, I'm sure I'd be fucking suffering from depression.
1: What do they say? Of we course. are. Excuse me, a burp here. The soda water, but. <laughs> we are what we eat, we are what we do, right? Huge. So the, the, the thought process isn't that complicated. I think just people need to be promoted to that sort of thing. And there's there's obviously real situations that exercise and diet isn't gonna change, right? There's other issues that people have to deal with, but yeah, I mean, it's not complicated. You know what my wife does, right? She promotes lifestyle and yeah. and um and, and fitness to, to change what you do. I mean, she's got an exercise physiology background and, and diploma and her whole mindset is it's not about you stopping eating anything good. It's about you changing your lifestyle. Mm. Let's implement healthy habits. Let's implement more healthy foods. And the craziest stories that she's had and what she does, man, Um, you know, just, just, she's shared with me stories because publicly they'll say like, Hey, I went from the situation where I was depressed, sitting in here overweight. And it's not about always being overweight per se, but nonproductive, unhappy to, you know, someone being out consistently enjoying their life, whether it be um, you know, physically walking or moving to being able to enjoy being around people because they're happier again, like simply happier. Um, we're off topic here. Maybe we're on topic because we're talking about this, but man, exercise is a cre- pretty incredible thing. So back to that booze, right? So what you put in yourself was what makes you happy. Uh, funny, maybe not funny story about that. I haven't had whiskey since February, uh, which may strike anybody who follows my Instagram account over the last couple <laughs> years as crazy because I've probably got about 50 bottles now at this point right now, uh, but because I was feeling so anxious the day after I had a few whiskeys, not one, but you know I'd typically have a couple or three and I didn't know what it was. And so I cut it out completely and I would, I would not get this anxious feeling anymore. I would not get this. And I don't think it affects everyone the same way because you know how you get certain hangovers. Yeah, okay. Somebody gets a hangover from tequila and it does this or, or vodka and it does that, but whiskey did it, so. That's funny, man. Maybe I'm just getting fucking old, man. I don't know.
0: It, oh, Dude, it's totally different though. The hangover, like hangover, but like the feeling the next morning, whether you have three beers the night before, three glasses of wine, three whiskeys. It's always different. Totally different. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone experiences it a different way, but yeah. it's funny. Like the vodka soda for me, yeah. if I have a few of those instead of uh, three beers one night, I feel like more clear. Much yeah. better. Maybe yeah. that's because you're drinking a lot of water with... The less sugar. Less sugar, 100%. Yeah. 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 It's strange, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, anyhow, <laughs> so Chewy's a distraction. A little bit. We should probably... <laughs> did we talk about Chewy yet? Oh, yeah, Chewy we, is the most recent mortgage hey, pug. He's taken over from Ernie. Um, he's taken Ernie's mantle completely. He's all over the IG right now. And I get requests... <laughs> Actually, I get requests if not daily, every couple of days. More Chewy, please. Yeah. More Chewy on the Instagram. I follow you just for Chewy. It's pretty funny. And he's saying, "What's up?" <laughs> I feel bad for the audio listeners at this point. They don't get to see the cuteness.
0: Is this part of your uh, like? Were you able to exercise when you kind of came out of the hospital? Like, how long did no, that it was like take three you months. to get? Was it okay? Do you yeah, think I mean, that walks. like contributed to the anxiety and Definitely. the depression? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Exercise part of my lifestyle totally right i'm not like you know a six-pack freak or anything like that but movement to what we just mentioned is a way like the amount of stress that we deal with on a day-to-day basis is is obscene and again not to compare it to a doctor but it still is a high amount of stress and and um you know exercising every single morning is a big part of my life and i usually do about 15 or 20 minutes of movement in the evening too just to kind of release you know what i mean 12 hours of sitting down and dealing with stress and anxiety and and peeling on everyone else's emotion Uh, that movement man is big it's big. So no, that was a big part of it. And no, I was not able to really physically, you know, hit the gym or anything like that. I had a personal trainer before, and then we had to put things on pause for four and a half months. And when we went back, it was like, okay, slow focused movements. It wasn't like high energy or anything like that. That didn't come back until probably about March or April this year, kind of step up the movements a little bit more.
0: What were the feelings in like those really dark days? Was it like, these people are trying to screw me. Was it like, why am I not feeling like myself? Why am I not getting answers?
1: Like. Wow, man, I don't even, I, there were different stages, right? Like there were stages where it was like, um, you know, that you go through the first, which is like, why is this happening to me? Like, Why is this? And, and that's, that didn't last long, thank goodness. But like, there was a little bit of time where that was it. And then it transitioned to anger and just pure hatred, right? Like why, why are they outlawing me? Like, and that was probably around the time that they they decided to put in all the, um, restrictions and rules. And it's like, man, like I tried to do the right thing here. I'm not sick. Like, why aren't they letting me, you know what I mean? And, and, and then that was obviously where there are other people that were around me that had the hate level, you know, the people that just didn't want to take the shot because of whatever reason. And I got nothing against any of those people like stand up for your rights. That's cool but I just didn't want to absorb the negativity. That wasn't a part of my thought process until, you know, until that point and I'm like, yeah, these guys are right. These guys are right. You know what I mean? So that negativity is crazy, man, it spirals. Uh, That didn't last too long, thankfully. It was, there's still a lot of, the distrust level went crazy. Like I still have a massive amount of distrust now for obviously our government and what they do and what they say and how it all works and the systems and so forth, but not to the point. So it
0: went from like 0.1 to 0.01? Was there much trust before?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, hey, listen, uh, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that believes what my government has to say about everything. Or, yeah. I'd never been that guy. Yeah. But, like, you know, that, 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 it was such a public display of we don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck. Right. It's, it's, then this isn't, and we're not going to recognize you at all. Right. It's in such an extreme way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to compare it to like, being a certain race or something else that where they've been criticized, uh, not criticized, put down and so forth for the years. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a feeling. So I can see why other people in certain positions, whether it's because of race or gender or something else that have that inequality feeling where their government has ignored them for a period of time. I mean, I'm not going to say I get it from that perspective, but I get it from a perspective of why they don't trust. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, man. So like I said, went from, from, from anger to hatred, distrust, to pure depression. That was the bottom, that, that moment I told you about there where we were in the cottage. That was the absolute bottom. <laughs> Levity is back and Chewy's humping his toy again. <laughs> hey. Chewy's losing his nuts in a week, so he can hump away. He can hump away for a bit here. Um, Yeah, man, the depression is the bottom and it's real and it sucks and anxiety is real. And I talk about it with people openly because I think more people need to hear that it's not a fake thing. It's not something you make up and it's not something you can just turn on or off. Like it's fucked. You have to work on that. And even if you do, you have to have methods to kind of set yourself up for success and make sure um, that you take care of yourself and make sure that you can take care of other people because it cripples you like it's so extreme.
0: Hmm. I haven't like really experienced that myself. I've had probably moments of maybe like really short time frames of second guessing of like that imposter syndrome and that kind of like snowballs in your brain a little bit, but I've never really had an extended period of time of of doubt or depression or whatever insert word here, but um Curious of like, how'd you? Was it difficult to acknowledge it? Like, wh- what was the what was the point where you're like, okay, shit, I need to work on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was one point, man. Like, I don't know if there was like a, a signal or a point. I there were a few points, if you will. Like, there were uh, like, let's put it this way: when you're there's there's a, a very difficult distinction when you're in the process of having this feeling like an anxiety attack of understanding that it's not a heart attack, it's actually your heart beating on your chest because your brain is telling you that you're dealing with this, this stress, but the stress isn't created because your heart's, you know, not working. It's created because your body is in this fight or flight mood, but your mind is basically creating this fake internal I don't know what it is. Like I'm, I'm not technical enough from a, a health perspective or doctor perspective, but it basically freezes your body. And it, when it freezes your body, it freezes your brain and you just shut down completely. Like that's an anxiety attack in its extreme form. and I've had that, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. It's not just about you having an anxiety attack. It's about it creating this sense of like doubt in everything you do, fear, um, uh, discomfort, um, distrust like everything and it clouds your mind and it clouds your brain and it makes it so you don't want to see people or be around people or talk to people. You doubt your confidence, you doubt your feelings, you doubt your emotions. You don't want to be around a, a mom or a brother or a wife or a sister or whatever it is that you have. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's messed up, man. And there were like, I don't know if it would, it's ever a position will ever like hundred percent overcome something like that, but you have to learn how to live with it and to improve and to embrace it as, as not like you're broken, but as something that, you know, you can repair or, or, or manage. You know what I mean?
0: How was your like day to day
1: when you came back to work, you
0: like are a very public person in British Columbia, in the mortgage world, in the real estate world, you do a lot of video, you do a lot of social media. Like how challenging, was it more challenging to have the energy to say, okay, Bank of Canada just increased the interest rates. We yeah, gotta do this yeah, video are, this morning, right? Let me
1: just talk about rates here for a second <laughs> here because I care about that. Man, <laughs> man, that was that was so hard for a while. So like I'm super fortunate that I had a good team, a good team around me and 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 my partners were really, really they stepped up to the plate, you know. Um, you know, every single one of my clients was taken care of. All of our, you know, realtor partners and friends and people in the industry were were like super supportive. Everybody was happy, there were no issues with closings, and that's a testament to the systems that we have in place, right? Um, but dude, it was fucking hard, man. Like when I came back the first week, I was like, because I'm, I, I'm, i I'm probably a workaholic at this point right now. But the point is it was like hard to, how do I feel right now? I don't know if I want to talk about this. How should I talk about this? So I did take about two months before I actually stepped back into the fold. I kind of worked behind the scenes for a couple months. You may or may not recognize that, but I did. I stepped behind the scenes. I wasn't showing my face on the camera as much, even though I would typically publish different things and I wasn't producing or putting on content or anything, obviously. But yeah, when I stepped back into it, man, it was, it was kind of fucked up because they talk about how the social media world is, um, one of highlights and not the down, you know, the downsides and so forth. And there was a period of time where it was like, okay, no, I'm feeling good in this moment. Let's, let's publish something. And then I'd feel like shit for a couple hours. Right. Or I wasn't mentally in the place or I had to really work myself up to, to putting myself on camera to saying something. So that was, that was tough, man, in certain parts. But then I started being more okay with talking about, and I never ever have talked like this publicly. So this will be the first time I've ever talked like this, but sharing a little bit of what happened, talking a little bit about it, just enough that, hey, you're not alone. I've, I've had you know posts where I'm like, hey, it's okay not to be okay. If you're feeling like like shit, it's all right. Like mm-hmm. send me a DM, I'll talk to you. And the amount of response that I got from people that were like, thank you. like. Like, thank you so much for saying that because I needed to hear that. You know what I mean? It was pretty incredible, powerful. So that's the only reason that I was comfortable to, to continue You know, posting on there was that I got responses and, and, and there were just a few people that really stood out to me. And it was like, not only did I get an insane amount of support when I started telling people about briefly what happened, which said a lot about you know how people feel about me, which was pretty neat. But it also was really cool for people to send me a message and say, hey man, can I just talk to you? Like, this is what I'm going through right now. Can I have this, this conversation? People opened up some fucking crazy shit to me, man. And I feel like super privileged to be in a position where someone would feel like they could open up to me because I don't know what, what would they have done otherwise. I'm not saying that people would commit suicide, but they would perhaps, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe they just would have felt like shit for a lot longer and not enjoyed their life. But now these people are stepping out and saying like, hey, man, like, let's talk. And I had some people just spill crazy things to me. Things I was not prepared to take in because I am not a counselor. (laughs) I'm just sitting there just like, wow, like, I'm so thankful that you like took the time to share with me what's going on and that you thought that what I did was impactful enough. What can I do to at least provide a bit of my experience? This is what happened to me. I'll share that with you. You talk, share what's going on. Um, And some people did, you know, follow up with me afterwards and say it was massively helpful for them to take a step towards something, right? So whether it was like physical health or mental health or something else, right? We know that like mental health in general has so much stigma around it. Still, like a crazy amount, like what is depression? What does that even mean? And there's obviously the people that, you know, you think you're depressed, but you're not, but obviously there's something going on, right? So whenever someone says they're, they're feeling like a form of you know, either depression or anxiety or, or anything of that nature. I take that shit for real. Like whether your variation of what's bad or isn't is different than somebody else's, right. It's just a matter of what is that, right. There's some real stigmas out there about it. And it's, it's good to have people that are willing to talk about it. Right. So, and that's one of the back to the whole social media thing. We post a lot online. I share a lot of content on it. I feel better about it, but I've changed a lot of how I do it and how I feel about it. There's a lot less negativity. I deleted a lot of things or avoided certain things or created different barriers or mental barriers so that certain things that used to trigger me stop triggering me. You know, I have off times now. I have, I have ways of coping with things that can cause stress or anxiety, whether it's in the business or something else, right? Like I don't follow anything to do with COVID, right? <laughs> I don't talk to anybody except for you now about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like I don't bother comparing myself I don't feel negative about those types of things, but there's also, I know we're going down a different road here, but I think that's, that's a big challenge when you talk about like being recognized or being social media or what you post or what you don't post and, and um, how it makes you feel.
0: Were, were those messages that you receive, were those conversations like part of the reason <clears throat> I think you mentioned this summer, you kind of like got out of it and you feel kind of back to normal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Was that part of it? Uh, I wouldn't say that those messages contributed to what happened this summer. I would say it was a whole lot of things, right? Like my personal journey, um, the support of my family. Crazy thing is this little guy right here. Um, I got, and so again, I I hope people can see this on the video. And and, uh, I got this, this puppy here in January and it was like, my wife caved in because, you know, obviously it was a tough, tough year and I know she wanted him. But I, she caved in. I've been asking her for a puppy for like three years. I'm going to get a puppy. I finally did it. And man, like, I don't have any kids, right? But this is, if this is how it feels or something like that to have a, a, something that cares about you, that, that uh, makes you forget about everything, like it's a pretty cool feeling. So this guy was a huge help. And he's just focused on that. He's focused. Awesome. Good boy, Chewy. But yeah, the dog was a big part of it. Uh, that was just more of like a, hey, distraction, right? But a yeah. fucking awesome one. Um, I think there was a bit of a journey, just like the start of this year, kind of trying to enter the year with a better mindset, like right? working on that stuff. Um, I think obviously the fact that in March or whatever, April, the fact that COVID was not so prominent, there's no doubt that had an impact. I was no longer an outlaw. You know what I mean? Um there was also this mindset shift in my mind of like, and it took way too long to get there is I'm not going to fucking live forever, man. Like I can die tomorrow. So I went out and bought a fucking boat, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> like uh spent a lot of my time on there, but it wasn't about the boat. And I'm, it's not because I want to show off the boat. It's not because of that. It was about how do I want to feel and how can I be in the moment and how can I enjoy this experience, right? It's the experience. And so what is the experience that you want to be having? When I'm at work, I want to be so fucking dialed in that I, I can experience like the positivity of giving what I can to everything I have. But when I'm not, I want to be enjoying the experience of whatever the fuck that true joy is to the point that I'm in that state of flow where time just, time just like almost slows, or not slows down, time just almost goes like so fast, right? Yeah, he's gonna start biting your toes. Not gonna here. feel good. Get
0: out of here. Hey. <laughs> Man, I 100% agree. It took me a few years to figure out that, like, the hard work has to be work for something. Like, working 80, 90 hours a week over and over and over and over again is yeah. soulless. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like you are not as good in those meetings every day. You are not as happy. You don't have as much energy. Yeah. There has to be some sort of balance. And I think the balance is totally different for each individual. And I think it is part of the journey to kind of like, Figure it out and adjust as you kind of go through your career. Yeah. But it's the same for me, man. I, you, maybe yours is the boat and the Okanagan, and like that's where you feel at peace. For me, it's like that Palm Springs place.
1: Golfing in the Palm Springs. I'm desert. obsessed. Yeah.
0: When I'm there, I just feel different. I feel like there's no weight on my shoulders. I feel like free. I feel like calm and yep. stress free. And even though I'm working every day when I'm there, right? yep. I'm on my computer a few hours a day. I'm, I'm, like on my phone all the time it's so it's not like it's much different it's just it's i don't know
1: but that but when you're doing what you're doing in that moment again you're in a state of flow you're not thinking about other things as much right like um the hardest thing for people like us with our busy minds in what we do partly because we receive so much communication and we're we're looking after you know other people other because you're running your business or your team or your clients or whatever that is, is, is we are constantly on, and we're not allowed to be turned off, or at least we don't give ourselves permission. And mm-hmm. I think that's the reality, reality of it is we think that we cannot give ourselves permission to turn off and enjoy something because we're such drivers. Like we have to go, we have to be on, we have to always do these sorts of things. But you're right, that serves no one, including yourself. And some people figure this out way sooner uh, than others, right? And um, and for others, it takes a while and there's a certain thing. And so back to the boat thing, it wasn't about the boat. It was about the experience. And man, like literally the first time I on it, my Sarah, my wife was on there and it was, the, it's such a comical story. Our first time trying to launch a boat by this like wake boat <laughs> and to, like never launched a boat in our lives, never driven a boat down a ramp. We figured it out, we got it out there, but literally within five minutes it starts pouring on us. But I didn't care we were out there and she's got me smiling, like the biggest nerdy smile of all time. Like I'm behind my boat. This is awesome. And then downpour. Uh, and that was fun trying to get out of the water in the dark, in a downpour, in the middle of like June when it was raining and cold, it was actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad nobody filmed that part. Um, but, uh, but what happened is it kind of like awoke, like a certain feeling and emotion and the feeling of freedom. And doesn't have anything to do with the boat. It has to do with just like an experience of me being able to enjoy the moment so much to the point that you're not thinking about other, those other things so that when you go back to those other things, you're recharged and you feel good. Like we would go out on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, just the two of us, drive for an hour, get there, launch for, and we'd just be on the water for an hour, hour and a half, the two of us, and just sit in like Pitt River, for example, which is a lot, a, lot, a long place we went. We would go down there. We'd surf for a half hour, an hour, which was a big deal for the two of us. We found something that we'd love to do together. Shut off the boat, turn off everything, just chill, watch the sunset go down and just like nothing, just nothing, no sound, bones are off. Just enjoy the fucking moment. Like there was nothing stopping you. There's no TV. There's no, we, I mean, you can get internet, I guess, but we're not looking at it. We're not thinking about what's up, what's up with work tomorrow. We're just sitting there chilling, enjoying our little sandwich we made or something like that. Just chit chat and just shutting the whole world off. And so we made a regular occurrence. Every Sunday night we would go out together and uh, at least once a week we'd make a day and um, and get out there and it became almost a ritual. We do a surf and then we hang out. Uh, we go surfing to hang out. And some nights we just grab a bottle of wine and hang out there and, and just, uh, and that probably says a lot about your relationship, but also just like, just the feeling of being out there is a feeling of like being away from everything. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can get out here mm-hmm. except for if you have a boat, but you know, it's kind of a neat, need experience to be able to do that and there's probably some deeper meaning there that i'm missing but uh all i knew is it felt good it calmed my mind down it let me focus on the things that matter and every person that i know that was on a boat with me this summer said the same fucking thing dude you're so happy when you're out here how are you so happy ty was here a few weeks ago right and uh we took him and tammy oh come on buddy he's just he's just full lipstick here full lipstick (laughs) People are gonna grab the video just to laugh at this. Um, so yeah, Ty and Tammy, they, we we took them out on the boat in the summer there, and and man, like like first of all, I know you can ask him about it. They had a great time. We all had a great time together. But he says like, dude, I can't believe you're so happy, man. Like this is unreal. I'm so happy to see you like this. And so obviously, everyone feeds off each other's energy, and everybody's just like, this is this is awesome. Feeling free, relaxing, enjoying life, and so. Again, nothing to do with a fucking boat. All that has to do with like finding that area of your life. And for some people, that's like skiing. I think for, for your uh partner Jamie, that's like being on the water doing his like kayaking right now or, or like whatever he does. It's always something, right?
0: And he's got some weird activities. Kite surfing is one of them. Yeah. He's told me at like three or four different occasions where he thought his life was over. Kite surfing. Yeah. So that's <laughs> his kite thing, gets right? tangled up. You're he's getting like, pulled oh, out by God. the by the wake yeah, oh, That man. sounds
1: terrifying. Yeah. But, it, so, but he's a guy that I, you look at and say, okay, well, that guy's also figured that part out too, right? He's figured out that he needs like this feeling and those types of feelings provide him that state of flow. And that probably allows him to shut off from the three kids and the home and the construction and the work and all that kind of stuff, right? Like we all have to find this thing. And I think a lot of people ignore that part of their minds like that. I don't know if it's a primitive part of your mind, but just that natural tendency to be able to find something it doesn't need to be an expensive thing. Like it could be like my, a good friend of mine is for him, it's just hiking on his own. Yeah, Just goes in the wilderness, just goes hiking. And he's, he's a cop, RCMP, right? He deals with some crazy shit. And he's just like, that's my thing, man. Like I just go, fuck it, grab my boots. I'm gonna go hiking for four six hours, eight hours, 10 hours on my own. And that's where I just get it out of everything. No, no internet, no reception, nobody's calling me. No, no like arresting people, nothing. Like I'm just off, super important, right?
0: I'm finding it's more and more, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's fun, to, it's fun to share those that side of your life too, because you become more human in your yeah. business. A lot of times, like you feel a bit like a robot. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you feel like you can't share vacations or yeah. Yeah. A- outside things because your customer, your client, your consumer will. Why aren't really you like, working right yeah.
1: now? Why aren't you working on this? My
0: home's listed right now. Why are you away? Yeah. You know, and, and I, but I, it's funny once you get over that hurdle of, no, that's pretty much in my own head. Yeah. People will comment all the time.
1: Will connect with it. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I think what it also, de- what, what also matters is like, if you're the kind of person that's doing it for you as opposed to doing it for show. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going traveling because this is, this is how, what makes me feel good. I'm, I'm going, you know, doing these things because it, it's, it's something that's important to me. Um. And yeah, you're right. Like the amount of people I connected with this summer purely because, hey, cool, man, you do that, that surfing thing, that's so cool. Like, tell me more about that. Like you look so, whatever. I don't know, It started so many conversations and I'm like For naturally sure. excited. And so people feed off that energy, right? Um, it's so different than if you're like a Seahawks fan and you, you meet people and, and they're talking about the Hawks and you're like, boom, connection, right? Totally. Like whatever it is, you need those things in your life, but we don't give ourselves the permission to explore the things that make ourselves feel good because we feel either a sense of either doubt about doing so, or in the case of like what you just mentioned, like why aren't you working? And that's probably something about just being a driver mentality, right? Like a go-getter. Like why aren't I working those extra hours? Well, we don't give ourselves permission to do the other things. So now it's the winter, and all I do is fucking work because I can't go on my boat. And I was going to say, what myself. are you doing? <laughs> yeah,
0: what are you doing now?
1: Hanging out you with gotta you. Gotta find a new. Hanging out I with think. you, man. Doing a podcast. is fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know right now. We'll figure that out. We're working on it. We're not pick up trail running again or something. I don't know. We'll see.
0: (laughs) The boat's away for the year.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, she's uh, the truth about the boats is that the the cost of a boat is definitely what they say it is. It's like I need to go do five more mortgages. So hey, if you need a mortgage, call me, please. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the thing broke down and she's in for repair. She's out. She's out cold till next year. But uh, all worth it. All worth it. So
0: Drew, you're very very. Systematic dude thanks, and uh I love how you say <laughs> thanks <laughs> I didn't say if I thought that was a good or bad thing. I just said you're systematic no it's very uh re- i mean enviable like it is uh it's not my personality a lot of the how mm-hmm. how stringent you are in different areas of your business, but like has that carried over to your personal life oh, yeah. more than you thought it would based on your experience over the last like year and a half? Like, are you finding like having a really regimented routine is, is beneficial for your mental health? Yeah. Like, and if you miss something, does that, does that not work out in a great day? Struggle with it. Yeah.
1: If we go on vacation, I need to have a gym in the morning. Not because again, I'm not trying to be some buff guy. It's just because I need to feel good. I need to move. Yeah. It's my routine. I need to move. Um, you know, like super important. Um, yeah, dude, that falls in so many areas of my life. Like when I wake up, when I go to bed, what I do in the morning, um, how I operate. And I think some of it's obviously habitual like habits that I need to break and things that I need to work on or focus on. And, and there's an element to that. Um, but I've also kind of built my success around systems and structure because I'm not naturally gifted in anything. Like I'm not, I don't have the gift of the gab. I'm not the guy that goes into a room and I can go and talk up people. Like I'm just, I was never good at that when it came to my business or working in relationships. Like I had to work really hard for everything. So Mm -hmm. it came down to what always worked for me was having enough systems and structure in place that that was able to help me through that. Because I realized that most people won't do that. And I'm like, okay, that's something I can work on. The weakness for most people especially in our industry is they're not either a organized, they don't have the systems in place and have the structures in place or, or they're not willing to devote the time to sticking with those systems and structures and adopting new ones or or adapting them when things change. And so I realized that that was a huge weak spot in our industry. So I used my strength, which was building those out and finding people to help me build those out to be able to provide the exceptional level of, of service and, and care that we do
0: right now. It's quite interesting. Whenever you talk to friends, business people, whatever, it's interesting to hear them talk about what they think they're not good at or what they think, you know, like you just mentioned, you didn't think you were a good talker. You didn't think you were very social. And it's funny as a consumer or as like a friend and a colleague looking at you and your business and your social presence and your like hilariously consistent video content that you think you're not a good talker. (laughs) it's quite interesting. Well, let me, that, let right?
1: me, let me touch on that for a second. Okay. So I would suggest that like, like depending on how, what approach you're looking at that from communicating. So I feel like I'm substantially better at communicating things that are complex or complicated, especially if I know about what they are and, and how they operate now after doing video content or podcasts or absolutely other types of <laughs> you know, communication or building out structures and in, in ways to communicate with my clients than I ever was before, where my weaknesses lied when I got into the industry is I was infinitely, uh, like, I was shy, nervous. I didn't like the idea of, I would never go knock on a door even today, man. Like when I go into a, a room or like an event, I'm like, I don't want to go out, talk to all these people. <laughs> like, no, thank you. But if you get me one-on-one with someone, I can build a relationship and have a conversation and articulate things in a manner that makes them want to know more, right? And understand more about that. So I feel like circling back at that, one of the ways that I was able to beat that barrier was video because I didn't actually have to physically talk to hundred people, but I could create a <laughs> video and hundred people would see that, right?
0: Instagram is such a powerful tool for that. My, my story is very similar. Yeah. that I felt very uncomfortable in front of a camera, extremely uncomfortable talking in front of multiple people at the same time. Yeah. Even out with a group of 10 friends, like one-on-one, very talkative. I, have a, I feel like I have a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> but like in a group, for whatever reason, my natural reaction is just to be a listener. Listen, yeah. Even if there's questions or topics that come up that I know a lot about and I have input, I'm, I'm usually still even quite shy to to be the loud one at the table but instagram was was a really powerful tool for me where you could talk in front of a camera no one is staring at you even if you think you sounded like an idiot and it disappears after 24 hours yeah and then uh like one of the reasons for starting this thing man was just to like force myself to have conversations where i learn But also can share some stuff with consumers about real estate, about life, about experiences that I've gone through, whatever. Yeah. But also share them of like the guest. But it really, for me, I just saw a lot of value long term in getting comfortable in front of a camera for social media, for marketing homes, but also getting better as a communicator so that I could be better at my job and better as a coach in our business and like just goes down the road but I was the same I was very very shy getting into this industry and it's kind of crazy to look back nine years ago and see like how is that the same human being
1: yeah the neatest thing about doing video or my favorite thing about it is you learn how to be a better communicator because it forces you to understand (laughs) sorry he's licking the mic (laughs) stop oh god um The sound effects are probably absolutely. Carl, can you hear this? <laughs> okay, back on track. So it forces you to be—I <laughs> can't even—a better communicator. You got to learn something so deep that you can educate and articulate things in a way that you can, especially when it comes to Instagram and or short form video specifically. So I'll just use the term short form video in such a way that you can distill these complicated and complex topics into a short way that people want to listen. Not only they understand it, but they want to listen and they understand the point of what you're trying to say within 30 to 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about stories here. I'm talking about obviously short-form content videos. People also can recognize when it's just fluff. So you have to make sure that you're articulating things that are are useful and helpful and informative and educational and entertaining. And so that's really helped me in my daily conversations with everyone from team members to clients to partners to distill information down in those tight, tight, you know, 30, 60 second spurts.
0: I got asked this question uh, a couple days ago and I wanted to relay it to you. What, um, how much do you look at engagement, likes, comments, shares as like, what is steering your content, if at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a multi-part answer on that question. So I do look at it. Um, The amount of likes does not, really matter to me at all. Like if I get 50 or I get 150, the nature of the content that I produce is that it's not like showing off a, a sexy house or a car or something where a ton of people are gonna be like, Oh my God, that is a beautiful house or a beautiful car or something of that nature. It's not exciting in that way. So the amount of people that are gonna click that like button are probably fewer than, as I mentioned, a car or house. Right. Um, what is important to me is a few things, impact, right? Am I, am I getting engagement? Are people obviously saving it and sharing it, which is important. Shareability is interesting because shares talk about how popular a topic is, right? Like as a general rule, like this resonated with me. This is a popular topic. It's something big, right? Saves typically mean I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Okay, that's something you broke down or explained in such a way that I need to come back to this. Or it's another mortgage broker saying I want to do the same thing again, right? But I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. The, the reality is, is the save to me says in, in, they're intrigued, they're interested, they'd like to come back to this, right? The share is, is like, this speaks to me. And if you get more of them, obviously, as I mentioned, it's, it's a popular open topic. As an example, you know, I've posted a few videos right lately about my thoughts and feelings on the real estate market, right? There is an opportunity right now. Here is why. Let me explain it to you. And then, you know, obviously I articulate what the content is. Um, that gets a lot of shareability. A lot of real estate agents are like, yes! Yes, you're speaking my language. I want to tell more people, right? Um, and, um, and so that, that speaks to like, it's a general conversation. It's a, it's a hot topic from that perspective. It's something that's open. I guess your question is how often do I look at that? I mean, I, I'll look at it on a, on a regular basis a few times a week and see how it's performing, what's going on. Um, I don't look at like, hey, I got 2,000 views versus 4,000 views. Oh my God, this video sucked. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the algorithm and what it's favoring at that certain time. Um, I would look more at trends right? Over an extended period of time of say 30 days, how are things performing? Have I done something that's different or unique? Is there one outlier or two outliers? So it's like a business metric, like anything else, you know, you have to pay attention to it if you want to do a good job at it, but it's not a vanity metric for me. I don't really care. Like I don't care if someone, you know, clicked 50 likes. If I post a photo of me and my dog, I always get way more likes, Way more. right? (laughs) It's easy to click the like button on that, (laughs) right? Uh, If I post a video, then some of them might like get educated. And if there's fewer people that see it, that's okay, because I will get more response to the fact that I'm providing them with a level of education and they feel comfortable and confident in my ability to perform based on what they've read and seen. That was a long-winded answer No, to I like question, that answer. But,
0: Mine was very similar. Mine was like, on a daily basis, zero. I don't really care if I get three likes or 300. It doesn't make a difference to me. I will look at like monthly insights on, you know, is it what videos got more views and then try to figure out why. Yep. Was that specifically because I had a dog in it? <laughs> yep. Or was that because this was like a really hot topic right now? Cool. And then yeah. trying to, or was that because I like, you know, explained something in a certain style or whatever that may be, or it was in a park instead of a house, you know, like things like that. But in terms of like, the educational stuff that i like sharing it's more it more comes from the thought process of when i was 21 buying my first condo when i was 27 doing my first big reno and i literally knew i did not know what i was doing how can i help people that were in that situation with all the experience that i've had along the way and if i'm checking that box that i think i'm like providing some sort of educational value i don't really care because it's not going to appeal to all of British Columbia because not all of British Columbia is a first-time buyer. Not all of British Columbia is currently doing a home renovation. Yeah. But when it connects with the people that I'm trying to connect with, I think it's super valuable and super powerful.
1: Totally. Um, doing this consistently helps you obviously build, like I said, that level of trust that you aren't just this kind of one hit wonder and you know what you're talking about. And... um I think when you talk about like the analytics and so forth, I look at it as any other analytic in my business. Like how, how many actions am I doing to receive X results? Okay. I track these actions. Here's the results I'm having. If I'm not getting the results, then I need to understand why that's not happening. Is that external factors, market conditions, or is it internal? How am I doing whatever I am doing? Whether it's reaching out to people, prospecting videos, any of those types of things. So yeah, you should probably analyze it on a regular basis. Same thing you know, why is this video performing really well? Is it because it's a close up of my face? Did we have a better hook? Yeah, And I, I, the hook thing is real. Like the hook is real. Two seconds, you got to catch people. And it even comes down to like, does it blur in? Like, does it have a, a something on the screen right away, right? Like, and, I, and that's just like a technical thing, right? To look at it from that perspective. But like, I mean, I would say we look at it from that perspective. How do we make it better from that piece? As opposed to, oh my God, I only got 53 likes and then I got 89 on that one or 102 on that one. Doesn't really matter.
0: It's quite interesting because, like, coming into this business, I didn't, I had no interest in being a movie star. But you, you are know? now. I don't, though, I mean, I don't think I am, but, yeah. but dialing down content to blurring in or, you know, having the right hook, to me, it feels unnatural. And like, it's just the way that, that media goes, unfortunately. And that, that's the way that it has to be. And that's what is going to, get your face and your business in front of more people. So it's quite interesting to like stay true to yourself, but also play along with the platform and that platform. You know, those little tweaks that you're doing at the beginning of the video might do be the difference between getting 1500 views or 3,500
1: views. hundred percent. And so here's how, here's how I look at it and here's how I feel good about it. My mindset is that, we talked about this earlier, is that we I built the systems, the structure, the support, the way that we advise, the way that we communicate, I know that we take exceptional care of people. I want to serve more families. I want to take care of more people. This is just an element of which I need to kind of play by the rules to, to reach more people that I know that we can serve better than if they walked into RBC or went somewhere else and had a subpar experience or service. So by me tweaking it, it also says to people, hey, I give enough of a shit to work on this um, let me show you what the experience is over here. And obviously that can fall flat if you only do the social media and you don't do the other stuff. We've seen probably that, or I'm not gonna you know, throw anybody in the bus, but I'm sure that happens. Um, but the way that I look at it is like that: is like, hey, listen, I'm gonna do these little things so that I can reach more people and more people will be able to see what we're doing so I can serve them better and they'll continue to come back. And that's one of the cool ways in, that we've been able to cre- create advocates online and social media. I got a ton of clients who follow me online and it's an awesome experience. And they'll comment, like I said, about the puppy. They'll reach out, they'll ask questions. Like, I mean, obviously it was overwhelming during the last few months with the variable rates and so forth. I get all my variable rate clients reaching out to me. Like, hey guys, I want to apologize in advance. I'll do my best to reach out and get back to you. 50 messages later, right? Like what is, how do you respond to that? But the neat thing is, is I can use the way that people are responding that are my clients or people who are interested to formulate the topics I talk about on a day-to-day basis. And they say, thank you for that, right? They appreciate that. They want to know that. And, um, you know, like back to the video content thing, I never, ever would have thought that it would stop people from not literally jumping off a ledge, but figuratively, figuratively, like emotionally falling off a ledge. I got this crazy like essay message last week from this lady. Um... And she just proactively sent me a message. She's like, "Hey, Alex, you don't know me. I'm, you know, ex person. And but I just, I, I felt compelled to send you a message for the last few months with what's going on in the market and what's happened in my personal life. I've been watching your content and I've been listening to what you have to say, both on the podcast and you know on your videos. And then I've saw your YouTube. And man, like you are such a wealth of information. It made me feel so much better about my decisions. How you articulate it. How do you explain it? And I'm just sitting there like blushing, like, oh my god, like this, but." It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was like, cool, like what I'm doing actually has an impact on people's lives. I feel better about doing that that way. I'm not doing this to get a lead. I'm not doing this to get a lead. And I tell people who start, because I get asked a lot about how to create video content. If You do this to get a lead. You're fucked before you start. Don't do it. Stop. You do this to help people and support people and serve people. If you get better at it, then you can serve and support more people. But if the why that you're doing it is because I just want to get more leads, stop now right so that's my mindset this
0: might be one of my favorite points we've ever made on this podcast in 125 episodes and uh it really is like me and jamie had have a like connect for meetings every couple months and just kind of discuss like what are we doing right how do we keep doing more of that what are we doing or uh, that we can improve on how do we improve what does that look like and one of the comments i made a couple days ago and we we're chatting for a couple hours was I firmly believe that our service helps people. How do we help more people? How do we help more families? Yes. And, and, and my, cause this came after him, like talking about, we need to do more print marketing next year. And I I don't, I hate print marketing. It costs a lot of money. It has very, very little return in terms of like people that actually call you off of it to help them. (laughs) So um, my comment was, our service is, is, is really, really good in this industry. We've met thousands of realtors, and I feel like we are near the top or at the top in terms of customer service and like getting from A to Z through a transaction, helping people upsize, whatever that may be. How do we help more people? If that is flyers, great. Let's spend a shit ton of money on flyers if we can help more people. yeah. If that's social media videos, great. Let's double down on that if that is hosting more events to get people to come to great if that is producing more educational content great but like it's interesting that that is your thought process going into this always content game is helping people and i think that is that's the success factor long term
1: has to be it's always about the why we talk about that anytime someone's working on any part of their life, whether it's business or anything is, why am I doing this? And I don't think people think about that enough. And you have to like circle back and say, yes, of course I'd like to earn an income. Yes, I have personal goals I'd like to achieve. But if the reason I'm doing this is purely because that's the goal that I want to achieve, then it's going to reflect in the work that I do. And, or it's not sustainable. Mm. It's simply not sustainable. You can't keep doing that over and over again. But I mean, dude, like, I, I think like it's, I'm just trying to think about how to articulate this, but it's so obvious to people if that is what you do, if that's why you're doing it. And so it's not about tricking yourself to think otherwise. It's about digging deep into your core and saying like, yes, I do actually want to have an impact. How do you want to have that impact is up to you. And what you do is up to you, but you have to give a shit enough to say that. Right. And so that's why I kind of like through this conversation, whether it's because I opened up and talked about my past or my, my health situation or because I had someone reach out to me and say that, I'm like, fuck yeah, like I'm actually impacting at least one person in such a positive way, I can keep going. I just need that juice, that one person, right? That's it. That's why I don't care if I have 150 likes. So I don't care what other person in my industry is doing. I don't follow any brokers, except for Alex. I follow Alex, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like just focus on what you're doing and how you're helping other people and everything else falls into place, right? That's it.
0: This is my own personal opinion, Alex. I think you're helping a lot more than one people, uh, one person. I think uh, you're inspirational. You are enviable to watch. I think you are a fantastic follow on social media. I think it's funny as a real estate agent directing people to watch your social mm. when they're asking me about interest rates or refis or whatever. I'll direct them to watch mortgage books. Huh, awesome. And, and I honestly think that there are probably thousands, we'll say hundreds, but thousands of mortgage brokers out there that get information from you because they don't know it or they don't know where to find it. And so I think even if you're just getting that one message about the personal experiences or whatever, I <clears throat> I think you are the like, example in the content industry in BC whether it be real estate or mortgages or whatever that people are trying to emulate, and I think that is a really, really cool um, person to follow and person to motivate others.
1: Cool buddy, thank you.
0: My question I' like it to end this is what is like the big goal for you in mortgage world, in your business, what is that like is there some big idea? level to get to
1: is there so so like end goal yeah don't have one i don't really have an end goal per se um I like because
0: i'll start i'll yeah preface it by saying this you are a top five broker in canada
1: i think number two last year there you go <laughs> Like is the
0: goal to get to number one? Like I don't know. You are already affecting our industry in British Columbia in an extremely positive way and setting the standard essentially for how to educate consumers, whether it be mortgages, financing, or real estate. But like, what are you? I mean, from a business perspective,
1: like we aim every like the like. I don't know how to explain this without being corny. Like every person that we work with, we wanna provide that exceptional five-star experience. We wanna make sure that they leave and they feel more educated in the moment that they came in the door. Now, some people are more accepting of that information than others, and perhaps we're not the right fit for every single person. But on a micro basis, we want to provide that level of experience that we don't feel like is happening consistently anywhere else. Okay, so it's like on a micro day-by-day level, mm-hmm. right? Um, from From a macro experience, I'd like to grow the team and the platform that we've built to help and support more families. I don't know what the end goal is from that perspective. Do we want to have 30 people do so? Do we want to have 50? How many families do we want to help? I'm not really sure if I'm honest with you. Like we haven't really said like, here's my definitive path. And the neat thing about the, what we do is that we can kind of move. Like sometimes year by year, our goal is to look at this. And say, Actually, I really love this. I'm gonna grab onto this thing and I'm gonna change it up. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like people talk about this as like having my 10 year goal and I'm going to do that one thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've got like 10 year goals, but they've changed 10 times in the last 10 years. And I'm cool with that. Like, I'm okay with that. Like I have annual goals that I look like to achieve and they're actually not always annual. They're more kind of like cyclical, like quarterly or, or semi-annual. It's kind of a funky thing. Hey, I'm going to achieve that goal. I'm going to get there whenever I get there. Here's my target. And then I find by setting some scary ass goal, I end up getting there obviously way sooner. Um, to circle back on that, there is no end goal. Um, I think the reality is like, I keep finding new challenges, challenges, new passions, new things I'm excited about, ways to impact more people. And I wanna just continue to magnify that and and provide that level of um, that growth, man. It's a video game. And I'm just like, there is endless, endless levels. Like I'm not trying to be Elon Musk here. Like that's, it's not that I, it's not about wanting to or trying to or not. It's just not my like end goal per se. I think it's enjoying the fuck out of the ride and continuously finding these new challenges and new opportunities and so forth. Where do we go from here? Um, we're gonna look to continue to affect change industry-wide more so in the future. Certainly like whether it's through the brokerage level to provide a better level, better, better level of education experience for people in this industry. There are way too many mortgage professionals in our industry who don't have a level of education and are not providing the level of experience that they could if they were provided the tools to do so. I think long-term we'd like to be able to provide the industry, more support so that more clients can be helped in a better way. More realtors can realize a better partnership. Um, short-term though, like our team is our primary focus, man. Like we're in growth mode. We want to take care of more families. want to find more people. Um, they're talking about, I'm talking about short-term here, but we're talking about quote unquote negative market shifts Well, we're hiring people. We're like, come on board, join us. Let us take care of more families. When I'm working with families, I'm spending more time with these people. I took your question in a totally different angle here and I went all over the place Mm. with it. But I guess like, I want to circle back to the video game reference right now because like, I feel like I'm playing the endless video game and I just keep getting better. Like I'm leveling up and I just want to keep, keep like the boss keeps getting harder, but then I keep beating (laughs) him. And it's like, I don't know, man, it's fun. It's cool. So who knows? I don't know. We'll see. I like it. Cool. Thanks
0: very much for uh, coming over and chatting, buddy.
1: Thanks for having me. Chewy's finally sleeping.
0: Thanks for bringing Chewy, yeah. Chewy's out.
1: out. Chewy's bored. (laughs) No, (laughs) he had a little bit of fun on your carpet didn't he (laughs) he wasted all my his energy on it, but I think